Welcome to Media in Minutes. This is your host, Angela Toole. This podcast features in-depth interviews with those who report on the world around us. They share everything from their favorite stories to what happened behind the lens and give us a glimpse into their world. From our studio here at Communications Redefined, this is Media in Minutes. Today, we are talking with Hannah Hudnall. She is a fact check reporter for USA Today. Previously, Hannah worked as a fact check reporter for Check Your Fact and is a graduate of Miami University in Ohio. She is based in Chicago, Illinois. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Doing great. I'm looking forward to talking with you today. I wanted to start with You're a fairly new graduate. You graduated from Miami University of Ohio in 2021, right? Yeah. Yeah. But you're already gaining lots of experience. If you will please walk us through, you know, how you landed your current job with USA Today, how you got there. Yeah, it's kind of a weird story. So obviously I graduated kind of not in like the heart of the COVID pandemic, but kind of on the tail end of it. Yeah. I majored in international studies and actually accepted a job to teach English in a different country after graduation. But then I was going to be teaching in Japan, which ended up having like the most strict COVID guidelines out of any other country. Right. So that kind of ended up falling through temporarily. And none of us really knew when the pandemic was going to end. So I kind of just had to put that on hold and look for some other thing to do and so for a couple months after graduation I was just like you know delivering food and doing like little (laughs) secretary work and administration and then I would like every week look for things in the political sphere or something relating at all to my major and what I studied because I studied a lot of like politics and okay international geography and I stumbled upon something called fact check reporting and I wasn't (laughs) super clear on what that was I thought I would be like fact checking politicians but I applied for the job and actually went through a couple rounds of interviews and landed a spot at a team called check your fact which is like okay slightly newer slightly smaller and started experiencing what fact check reporting is which is actually fact checking things on social media and claims online and I realized how important of a tool it is, like following the COVID pandemic, there was so much misinformation online and with the, the invasion of Ukraine and now Israel and Palestine, anytime there's like hot topics, the amount of misinformation that follows is insane. Yes. So I did feel like a little limited at that first company. um, So I kind of started looking again online and seeing what other opportunities were out there and USA Today was hiring and it was kind of a long process trying to get a job here but I started about a year and a half ago and I really love the team I'm working with and it's just been a really great opportunity that when I graduated I had no idea existed. That is amazing so you had no background training in journalism. No, I took a journalism 101 class my okay. freshman year, but I kind of had this idea that that just meant doing interviews on camera and I've always <laughs> been a little shy. So I was like, I don't know if that's for me, but when I realized that you could do reporting like on the computer and just kind of like 
speak with your words, not with your face and your voice. It was a lot more comfortable for me. Yeah. So you've been there about a year and a half with USA Today. Mm -hmm. What were you surprised to learn about being a fact checker? I was surprised, first of all, like what types of things you fact checked, because I guess as someone who doesn't, I guess, regularly spread opinions or (laughs) strong misinformation online, I didn't even know that it was a program, but it really like Facebook has hired so many different fact check organizations to help them combat like misinformation online. Yeah. I didn't know how big of a industry it was becoming after the COVID pandemic. And I didn't realize that, I don't know, that there was such a strong presence still on websites like Facebook. Right. Because everybody moves to like the new best new thing, like Instagram and then Twitter and now Instagram threads, but still a lot of voices on places like Facebook. Yeah. So the misinformation you find, you mentioned, you know, online, social, do you also um, check media outlets, whether they be, you know, more opinion ones or mainstream, or is it mostly social and, and online websites? It is mostly social media because I think in an effort to seem as like non-biased as possible and not to give the appearance that we're fact-checking other people in our industry. Right. Avoid like reputable news outlets or politicians that are currently in office or running. Okay. But like if it's, um, if it's like a social media account that claims to be a news network, but doesn't really publish reputable, credible news reports, we can go like case by case basis and fact check some of the things that they're saying. Okay. I bet that's pretty rewarding when you find things that are wrong and you're able to kind of correct the record. Yeah. It's hard because obviously the people getting fact checked aren't super happy about it. But it is, it does feel rewarding thinking that hopefully there are people out there that will just stumble across my fact check out of curiosity and learn something new. And also like I learn something new with every fact check I do and yeah. my editors do too. Do you do fact checking on, on all different topics or are you in a certain, on a certain area? I do all different kinds of topics lately. It's just been mostly the Israel Hamas war just because of the sheer amount of viral claims stemming from that. I've done a lot of different things in the past couple years that I've been doing this. I am most interested in like politics and human rights specifically. I've done a couple like LGBT ones and certain laws regarding that. So Okay, great. And we'll link to some of them in our show notes. So, so our listeners can, can read them and and see what they're like. Um, Describe for us, you know, your role as fact checker, kind of what a typical day looks like or what, you know, tools and resources you use. Yeah. um, So I, we have a tool, a couple tools that help us look at what posts are gaining traction online in certain periods of time. And like, Uh, Facebook has a tool that can flag certain posts for potentially uh, false claims. And so can look through that, uh, keeping up to date with like what's going on in the news across different outlets, what other fact check outlets, like what subjects they've been covering, 
if you know, like if there's been a recent shooting or, or with the, the car that exploded on the rainbow bridge, just knowing what's happening, right. they're bound to be false claims uh, relating to it. Right. And just looking for claims with like a certain amount of traction online, because we don't want to waste time with posts that only have like one or two shares. We want to make sure that we're reaching as large of an audience as possible. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of up to each of us what um, claims we pitch. And then if they get approved, we start working on the fact check article and do some research and then it gets edited. Okay. So is it normally one story a day? One story takes several days, multiple a day? It really varies. Um, There are certain stories that are pretty cut and dry. Like a lot of um, recent ones I've been doing, it's this video doesn't show this, it shows this. And then like the background to that. Um, But sometimes you'll come across claims that are a lot more in-depth and you have to reach out to experts and sometimes it takes them a few days to get back to you. So yeah, it, it really could last anywhere from like a few hours to like a whole week. I know that some people on my team have stories that took them like a couple months to work on. Wow. So. I bet AI throws a whole nother thing into it as well, right? Yeah. Knowing, um, how do you go about that with the videos that maybe fake that way or, you know, other things that are created? from AI. Yeah. It really shows that even when you have been fact-checking AI for months, you're still not as much of an expert as you think, because Mm -hmm. I'll come across things in social media and think that they're real when I first look at them. And then the next day, someone on my team will pitch (laughs) the claim and show that it's not real. And so I always feel a little shocked with that, but I think it's just showing me that you always need to be questioning what you see online. And if it's reinforcing some type of belief you have, there is the potential that it's not real. So we do have a couple experts that we, that we reach out to regularly just to make sure that, you know, they can confirm whether they look like authentic pictures or videos or not. Right. Yeah. Just see what we can do to verify the legitimacy of it. Yeah, that's kind of scary as you who's, you know, working in the industry and a fact checker could possibly even think something looks real or, you know, believe it at first. That's something I'm definitely even trying to teach my kids about online and making sure, I mean, you know, we need to know it as well, but making sure that they don't believe everything in a video is much more, I mean, if you see someone speaking with their lips and it looks like they're saying it, it's believable. Yeah, it's easy to think like, oh, well, the person in this picture has six fingers, so it's clearly not real. But then some people have gotten so advanced at video editing that like, I remember when there was the Bud Light controversy, I fact-checked a video of a billboard that said, LOL, crybabies, and looked like it was created by Bud Light. And when I found out that that wasn't real, I was just so shocked because it looked so seamless. And I was just like, it makes me wonder if fact-checkers didn't exist there'd be no reason not to believe it, you know? Right. And so how do you get the, or how does USA Today get those fact-checking stories out wider? And is there a way to, because obviously you can do these stories, but we need to try to make sure people are seeing them or reading them. Yeah. So obviously we publish them on the website, but then Mm -hmm. um, we attach the fact-check 
to the posts that we mentioned in the article. So there's one primary post that we always base the fact check around, and then we'll maybe mention a couple secondary posts to show how much traction it's gotten. Okay. And so when we attach the fact check to posts like that, the users will see that. And then anyone that stumbles across their post, if they're flagged as false, will see like a warning and you have to hit like see post if you still want to proceed with it. And it'll show our fact check and then any other outlets that publish fact checks. Oh, that's great. About it. But yeah, sometimes I do wish there were ways for it to gain like a little more widespread yeah uh, yeah and unfortunately there's some people that there's negativity towards journalists <laughs> you know some people and thinking yeah. and even if they see that they might not believe it you know believe that the yeah. fact check is correct which I know is 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 frustrating yeah I mean it's it's really understandable if you think that you know your freedom of speech is being restricted it's understandable that you would look at the name under the fact check that's attached to your post and, you know, send them an angry email. But I, I do wish that maybe they could read the article with a little bit of an objectivity to see that I'm not just doing this out of spite or because I have some type of bias. It's just right. kind of as objective as I can be laying out why what they've said is wrong and why it's important yeah. to not spread information like that, you know, right. Like, some of the things I fact-checked with like the COVID vaccine and COVID itself, it's like some of these things could put people's lives in danger. So yes, it's, it's not to hurt any specific person. It's just kind of to make sure that people online aren't falling for dangerous misinformation. Yes. Do you get a lot of negative email? Yeah, I would say that, um, a lot of people on my team do, unfortunately. Um, I kind of, I've been doing this for a couple of years now. So at the beginning, it maybe was a little more shocking. Now I kind of just yeah, you know, open it, skim it, delete it. Try to let it roll off. <laughs> yeah. If it's um, actually like, uh, what's the word? Helpful criticism, constructive criticism. I'm always right. that. I mean, if they have corrections and I misphrased something, I can absolutely appreciate that and like work with my editors to fix any problems. But sometimes it's just kind of like (laughs) harassment or name calling. And in that, it's just better to not really not engage. (laughs) Right, right. You mentioned a little bit, but what are some of the common challenges you face in the fact checking process? I would say sticking within the guidelines sometimes can be hard because you never want to fact check something that's like too clearly a joke or too much of an opinion not so much a claim Um, there's certain topics that we stray away from um, like things like abortion or unless it's like a law concerning that we just we want to keep our fact checks as straightforward as possible and so sometimes it's hard to find regular misinformation that's both widespread and fits within the guidelines that we try to stick in. But um, I would say for the most part, it's not too difficult. Sometimes I'll be like a couple days into a fact check and realize that it's just kind of fallen apart and 
doesn't work and that's always kind of hard scrapping something after yeah something. that you've worked a lot on right <laughs> yeah but at the end of the day I would rather do that than publish something that just isn't objectively good right right no that makes sense what are you most proud of in your work so far I would say I'm, I'm definitely most proud of the fact checks that took the most time like obviously I'm, I'm still happy with the fact checks I do correcting like miscaption videos and stuff like that but the fact checks I've done about one of my proudest was how people associate antidepressants with mass shootings and I reached out to a lot of experts for that used a couple studies and mass shootings has been such a hot topic lately in America it's something that a lot of people are really passionate about and as someone who is familiar with uh, mental health and medication. I just, that was something that I was really proud to be able to nip in the bud. I think yeah. that's a really dangerous sentiment to be spreading. So I think the more time I spend on something, the happier I am with it when it goes out and I can share it with family and friends and they can actually learn something. Right. Right. Everything you're writing, you learn from <laughs> those yeah. who are reading it, learn from how, how big is the team at USA Today of fact checkers? I think at this point might be like seven or eight reporters and then a few uh, editors. It's kind of in the past year and a half been a lot of change. People find new opportunities within or outside of USA Today, but some of the people have been there the entire time that I have. So yeah, we're like a pretty close knit team and everybody's really great. So that's great. So being, going back to the fairly recent grad. Um, Any Uh, advice for other fellow recent grads? I would just say that, you know, keep your mind and your options open because your major doesn't necessarily have to dictate exactly what you do and what you think you're going to be doing when you're a freshman or a senior in college isn't necessarily what you're going to end up doing. And I think it just makes a funny story when someone asks you, what do you do and how did you get there? And you're like, how much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) Most people's stories aren't super straightforward. I mean, some people's are, they graduated studying business and now they're in sales, but say that, you know, sometimes you'll just stumble into something and it'll end up being something that you're really passionate about. Yeah. And you shouldn't assume because I was thinking you went to journalism school. (laughs) (laughs) So I love hearing that. Yeah. What do you hope the future holds for you? I think it would be really interesting to kind of connect with what I studied a little bit. I I do enjoy doing fact checks about international conflicts, but just leaning a little bit more towards that, maybe someday branching out of just purely fact checking into regular reporting would be Uh really interesting. I, a couple weeks ago or a month ago, helped with some of the local reporting with the story about the um, six-year-old Muslim boy that was stabbed in Chicago. And it was a really, really awful story, but it was so eye-opening to be able to be on the ground and provide real-time information for my team because there wasn't anyone else in the area that could do it. And so helping with really important stories like that, I don't know, it's really uh, empowering. Yeah, I did see that article. So we'll post that as well. I was going to ask you about um, the reporting. So maybe there'll be some more of that in your future. This is a yeah. very, um, like you said, eye-opening article too. Yeah. 
Before we go, I'd also love to know what you enjoy doing in your spare time, if you have any. <laughs> yeah, um, I sometimes I'm a little bit of a nerd. I, lately, I've been getting into cross stitching just as like a okay. little thing to maybe take my eyes off of a screen for a yeah. little bit because I look at the screen all day. But yes. just, you know, trying to see like live music with friends and doing things to put my mind at ease and not think too much in my free time. Yes. You know, that's important when we do this for, when we do this for a living in the news and constantly the negativity and just, you know, following the noise and following that all the time, and especially the fact checking part, it's important yeah. to have some mindless things, you know? Yeah. And not watching the news too much when I'm <laughs> working. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, and you're in Chicago, right? You said that's where you're based. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah, so there's always a lot to do in this area. I really yes, love Yes, it's a great town, definitely. Mm-hmm. How can listeners connect with you online? Um, I would say that I have Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to okay. look for fact checks and hoping to use them a little bit more. They're a little bit bare bones right now, but hoping to maybe start sharing some of my articles on there. Um, but great. Yeah. We will link to those in our show notes as well. Thank you so much, Hannah. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's all for this episode of Media and Minutes, a podcast by Communications Redefined. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear what you think. You can find more at communicationsredefined.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Angela Toole. Talk to you next time.